transhumanism. Lots of talks about the T-R-A-N-S. Today we're going to go all the way to their omega point, and that is transhumanism. What is transhumanism? How are we as Christians to understand transhumanism? And what are the five ways that transhumanism is directed, not so much at the older generation, the transhumanist people, are not interested in the boomer generation or over. They want your kids. They want your grandkids. And today we're going to go through the five ways that they are directing transhumanism to the little ones and the teenagers. First off, what is transhumanism? Transhumanism is the philosophical, it's a philosophy. It's the philosophical movement demanding for Funding the enhancement of human nature through technology beyond that which is natural. It has to do not only with the body, but chiefly, if you actually look at the philosophers in the transhumanist movement, you'll see that it has to do with the mind. Now, the first person to ever use the word transhuman is someone that I greatly admire. I, in fact, I've done a lot of videos. I just did a video last week on him, Dante Alighieri. He is the poet who wrote the divine comedy. It goes through hell, the inferno, purgatory, part two, and then into paradise, part three. I plan to do a lot more on Dante. In fact, he's in a frame portrait right there looking at me in the corner. I like Dante. And he, in the opening of Paradiso, heaven, paradise, he uses for the first time in human history that we know of, trasumanar. I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't know how to say medieval Italian, which is to transhumanize, to go beyond human. Why is he saying that? Well, Thomas Aquinas says that when we go to heaven, we are made deiform in the form of God. We don't become gods. We are not God, but we are united through the beatific vision to the divine essence. And therefore, we are deiform because we are partaking of the divine nature. So Dante is using this in a Christian vocabulary, in the Thomistic tradition, which is based on, believe it or not, the Greek fathers, the Eastern fathers, in the way that they understand theosis. That is, through the incarnation of Christ and the redemption on the cross and the resurrection of human nature in Christ Jesus our Lord, humankind is raised into union, through the hypostatic union, union with God. That's the great mystery. That's the great promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But beginning in the Enlightenment, we have a perversion, an inversion into this concept, and it becomes humanist and secular. So you'll see names such as Rene Descartes and later Nietzsche. Nietzsche, as you know, taught the doctrine of the Ubermensch, the Superman, This is the man who transcends human nature. If you've ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey, that's an allegory, a film depiction of Nietzsche 
in Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And it shows this sort of self-actualization, picking yourself up by your own bootstraps, as we say in Texas, and transcending human nature, not through Jesus Christ, not through the incarnation of the Son of God, the Word made flesh, in the immaculate womb of the Virgin Mary, but through will. Will to power. And that doesn't derive from Nietzsche. That derives from Lucifer, from Satan. You see, Satan himself, before Adam and Eve were even created, Satan wanted to place himself above God. He wanted to not transhumanize. He wanted to transangelize. I just made that word up. Maybe someone uses that elsewhere. Satan said, you know what? Through my own nature and my own powers, I am going to be like God. I am going to transgress. I am going to trespass beyond the bounds of angelic nature, and I am going to make myself like God. And when St. Michael the archangel perceived this move of the will in Lucifer, he said, the Hebrew is, me, ka, el. Me, ka, el. Me is Hebrew. It means who. W-H-O. Ka is Hebrew. It means like. And L means God. Me, he says to Lucifer, me, ka, L. Who is like God? You want to be God, Lucifer? Who is like God? And Michael, in defending the honor of God, now this all happens in some heightened, preternatural, epic battle that our tiny human minds can't understand. But God honored that angel who stood up to the seraphic intellect of Lucifer and asked, who is like God? And God gave that angel a new name. You know, God likes to give new names to people. And he gave that angel a new name, Mikael, 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 Michael. St. Michael the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. The first advocate against this Luciferian fantasy that we can exceed our natures and become gods or like gods. The first opponent of that diabolical philosophy was St. Michael the Archangel. And that's why he's the prince of the heavenly hosts. And that's why we Catholics honor him as our champion, our general, not our king, because Christ is our king, but he is our general against the wickedness and snares of the devil. That's transhumanism. And ever since the days of Nietzsche, it's evident in even Hitler. It's evident in the philosophy, the political philosophy of Marx, Lenin, Stalin. And it's certainly, I mean, it's something that we breathe. We don't even know we're breathing these poisonous fumes but we're breathing the fumes of the ubermensch, the Superman, which will, of course, lead over time to one man exalting himself over all that is worshipped 
We call that man in the Bible the Antichrist. He will be perfectly possessed by Satan himself. There will be a synergy between the rebellion of the angels in Satan and the rebellion of mankind. Satan will possess the body of that wicked man. Some say even from infancy. And he will be perfectly possessed. And the trajectory from Adam and Eve until our time and into the future will be fulfilled in the fact of a man who is the perfect specimen of what it means to be transhuman. And that will be a man perfectly possessed by devil. It'll be beyond technology. It'll be beyond having an iPhone implanted in your brain. Of course, it will involve the mark of the beast on the forehead and on the right hand as it says in the Apocalypse chapter 12 and 13, if you want to learn about that. By the way, I've written a great book that's a commentary on the book of Revelation. It's called Antichrist and Apocalypse. I wonder why this isn't working here. Why is there a big black square? Hmm. Why is that there? I don't know. But check it out, Antichrist and Apocalypse. Gives you every detail from the church fathers of who the Antichrist will be. All right, I'm going to do Q&A today. I want to hear your comments and your questions, but I'm also going to go into the five ways right now in which our culture is coming after the young children to impose upon them, to persuade them to reject Christ, the divine logos, the pattern, the template for all of rightly ordered reality, and to instead choose the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, that being said, when we talk about artificial intelligence and AI, it's not all bad. I know some people will disagree with me, and I'll be happy to talk with you in the comments. It's not all bad. For example, if you use a spell checker, that is a form of AI. It's very primitive. It's very basic. It's telling you that your spelling and sometimes your grammar, if you choose that option, is off. It's wrong. You're using intelligence that was programmed ahead of time by another human to run in a certain way, to read certain data, and then to output towards you results that will help you in your life. When you're typing on your phone and you misspell a word, there is an AI trying to fix it. You'll notice sometimes when you're on your phone typing something, I've noticed, maybe it's a conspiracy, I don't know. You're writing something religious. I'm trying to think of something. I think maybe the word Eucharist, other words like that. It'll auto-correct it in something that makes no sense. I'm like, why are you auto-correcting a perfectly intelligible sentence about this religious idea? That's perhaps something of AI gone bad. The danger of AI is when you elevate it to beyond just, you know, checking your crossword puzzle or spell checking your homework. And you begin to, as you see on ChatGPT, you begin to manipulate the presentation of truth facts that are debatable. You saw a couple of weeks ago here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast, by the way, like it and share it, that I asked ChatGPT, what is a woman? And we got the most woke, what you would expect from the culture that was given to us through ChatGPT. An algorithm has been composed to produce treatments, essays, 
facts to an audience through a certain lens. And that is the danger of AI. How are they coming after the kids? Number one, you wouldn't believe this. Kids are tempted, sometimes encouraged already to use artificial intelligence for their homework. This is the first way that's already being done right now in this year. So usually, like when I was a kid, you would read Robinson Crusoe or, I don't know, Wuthering Heights or Frankenstein. You'd read the book. If you were lazy, you would have to go and find the cliff notes. Sometimes if it was assigned to a lot of kids, you'd go to the Barnes & Noble and there would be no cliff notes sold out. You have to borrow it. Or read the actual book. Take notes. We had these yellow things called highlighters. We would highlight important lines. Ooh, that could be on the test. Ooh, that's a good quote. I could use that in my essay. You know, that might be on the final and you would use the yellow highlighter. So you'd use your own mind in processing data, facts, truth claims, and a hierarchy of importance of information being presented to you in this book. And then you would, sometimes you would take note cards, you would write notes on the note cards, and then you would sort of assemble it and go, okay, these would be good in the first paragraph, and these would be good in the second and third, fourth paragraph. And then, you know, you'd think about what your conclusion is going to be, and you'd work out all of this in your mind. And there would be a level of philosophical inquiry. There would be a level of personal architecture of facts. And then your teacher would grade you on how well you structured that architecture, presented it, and argued a conclusion. Doing that, as I did as a young man, not dozens, a hundred hundreds of times over and over and over, allowed me to be a person who can string together sentences. And I've written 11 books and I've made over a thousand videos, maybe I mean, over 3,000 articles I've written because I was trained in that way. Kids today literally go on ChatGPT and they say, um, write a five-paragraph essay on Bram Stoker's Dracula with two citations in each paragraph about I don't know, the geography covered in the book, and they sit, hit enter, and within 60 seconds, they have an essay with citations in it. No spelling mistakes. Apparently, perfect grammar. And then they might go and change it a little bit, and then they turn it in. That is AI. As you've seen, I've gone into ChatGPT and I've asked it basic things and we have found errors. It's not good enough. For example, I asked ChatGPT about me, Taylor Marshall, and we analyzed what it produced. Some of it was good, surprisingly accurate. Some of it was just completely off. But the problem with AI, and as it's directed towards young people right now, is it's going to make them dumber. It's going to make it so that they're not critical thinkers. It's going to make it so they're not logical. It's going to make them mentally lazy or instead of independently thinking through facts, philosophy, history, 
literature, books, swimming in all of this in our great culture, observing the monuments of architecture and art and drama, the great novels, the great philosophical texts. It's just input in, input out, no effort. All right, so that's the first way. I would encourage you to challenge your kids and to have the talk that I just had with them. You know, it's kind of like if you really want to be strong, you need to really work out and understand your body. Same thing with your mind. There's no shortcut. All right, the second way they're coming after our children for transhumanism is, you probably already know this one, video games and the metaverse. Now, when I was a kid in the 80s, we played video games. Atari played Super Mario Brothers. Before that, there was Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers. Y'all remember all that? Was that transhumanism? Was that AI? What about if you play, uh, like I do, you know, chess on an iPhone? That's technically a video game in a way, right? It's pixels. It's zeros and ones. If I play online chess, am I playing video games? Am I getting sucked into transhumanism? Again, just like I talked about with AI before, spell check. By the way, it is important to learn how to spell. But spell check can be useful. And I think the same way, you know, for certain kinds of video games, for a certain kind of leisure, I'm not into that. I do play my chess. But... You got to be careful because the games today, I'm talking about right now, you are going into a 3D universe. Some of them are even wearing the headsets where you are engaging real people in the world in their avatar outfit suits. You are able to talk with them through Wi-Fi, through the internet. You are able to forge friendships, alliances, and in reality, spend all day in a different digital universe. So you are removing yourself from reality. Like before I did this video, I took off my shoes and I walked outside in the field, grounded myself, my feet were in grass, the sun was on my face. Amazing, right? Made some phone calls, talked to my wife, waved at some people, smiled, social interaction, the way humans are supposed to be the way God designed us. But if I, I could sit in here and turn out all the lights and put on a headset, and I could go into a whole other universe, which would disconnect me from the real world. And that's bad for all of us. That's not good. And our young people are being told all kinds of messaging. Being male is bad. Being female or feminine is bad. Being white is bad. Being confused as a teenager about my identity and my complexion and my roles and my friend group and all these things, uh, sexuality, all these things. Every single one of us who's been to adolescence has lived through all of that, tried to navigate through that. And now there are these alternative 
gaming universities, university uh, universes. There is the uh, metaverse. Facebook is pushing really hard, where you can leave the normal world and, like Peter Pan, go into Never Neverland. And the problem is, is when Peter Pan and the Lost Boys go to Never Neverland, what happens to them? They never grow up. They never mature. And that's really the danger of these, I'm going to call it immersive video games with their universes and their alternative realities. You're detaching from true humanness, true human culture, and you're going into something synthetic. And right there along with that is pornography. Same thing, instead of having real human connections with real people, they don't have to be, yes, between men and women, sexual, but there's a whole other universe that, you know, young men had to learn how to talk to women in real life all the time that wasn't sexual. Now we have men who are in these alternative realities. Their only interaction with the female are these debased, gross, human pornographic portals. They don't even know how to talk to a, a woman um, at the grocery store or after church or anywhere. Brokenness, same thing. All right, the third way that transhumanism is coming after our kids is iPhones, tablets, and all the gadgetry that we have. Again, just like in the first two points, I mean, I talk on an iPhone. I have certain apps that are useful for me in the work that I do, like this, communicating with people, with my audience, being in touch, gathering data, seeing what the news is, looking up scripture, doing word searches and Thomas Aquinas, et cetera, et cetera. Those things are helpful. But just like with the video games and the metaverse and the pornography, if this is the chief means, this is, if this is the chief way of interaction with humanity, you have fallen into the transhumanist lie. You must, if you are a Catholic, I would encourage you, do not go on Twitter and make that your primary interaction with other Catholics. It's very weird, manipulative, toxic. Instead, start a rosary group. Have a men's rosary group. Have a women's rosary group. Get together. Read the Bible. Pray for one another out loud. Read papal encyclicals. Read uh, Augustine's Confessions. Get together with real people and really engage. Go to Mass. Part of the beauty of Catholicism is we don't, you can't fulfill your Sunday obligation by streaming. You have to actually go. You have to sit next to people who bump into your elbow and drop their rosaries on the ground and sneeze and cough and say, God bless you and smile at you or snicker at you or laugh with you after mass and share a cup of coffee. We worship in the presence of a Catholic priest who is a man. 
who himself goes to confession because of his failures. There is a corporate communal reality to being Catholic. Even if you live in the most metropolitan city in 2023, you are still called to your little tiny hobbit hole, your little shire, your community, your parish, once a week at least, where you get to see real humans and engage with real humans and not with this all day. And by the way, you should not be one of the Catholics who as soon as the blessing is said or the last gospel is said, you run with all your might out the back door, get in your car and peel out. Stay after mass. Talk to people. If you're scared, be vulnerable. Get to know people. Invite people to lunch. Have a cup of coffee. Be real. Our children cannot see us engaging in the world through an iPhone or an iPad or a laptop. It's funny. Sometimes my own kids, they uh, will say, well, go over and ask them or just ask them. And they're like, well, we could text it. We, no, you got to, you at, at a certain point, if you want a job, you got to walk in, shake the hands, look into the eyes and get the job. Dress for the job, go in there and press for the job. If you want to get married, you got to wash your face, comb your hair, brush your teeth and go look that girl in the eyes and initiate, ask her out. Has to be done. Don't be one of these guys who texts girls. Hanging in the friend zone, texting, no. You gotta be a real person, not a trans human person. I'll go to Q&A after two more points. Number four, this is gonna upset some people. People are gonna turn off this stream. They're gonna get mad at Taylor Marshall because number four is anime and superhero culture. Yes, I said it. Throw tomatoes at me, throw bricks at me. This whole, I've never seen one minute of anime in my life. The anime thing is weird to me. All right, I said it. The superhero world, the Marvel universe, the DC universe, look, it's okay to have some fun, have some entertainment. You know, maybe read a comic book. You know, when I was in sixth grade, I, I had comic books and I read comic books like fifth and sixth grade. My buddies and I would like, share comic books like, Oh, I got Wolverine. I'll trade you my Wolverine. I've already read it. Spider-Man. You know, we weren't even collecting them. We we're just reading them for fun. But if this is your identity, like grown men walking around wearing a Wolverine t-shirt or Captain America or Star Wars or Mandalorian or whatever, like if you are caught up in these ultimate, these alternative realities. And yes, I even like Lord of the Rings and Tolkien. Frame picture of Tolkien right there on my left. I love Tolkien. May you rest in peace. But if that's like your, maybe you're not in a metaverse or a video game uh, reality, but you live or in this like Dungeons and Dragons alternative fantasy world, that also, because here's why it's dangerous. Before it was just books maybe clubs, like you had to actually hold a book or go to a club and talk to people. Now we're getting into these universes. You know, it's not just like there was uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. There is now 
a universe, a galaxy. I just saw the other day the director of some new Star Wars movie. She was like, I just think it would be really neat to explore the galaxy of Star Wars through the perspective of a brown Muslim woman. And, blah, 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 blah. and like, it's completely insane. It's completely insane. And that's why these superhero Marvel universe, what it's becoming, it's becoming the alternative to, for pagans, Greek and Roman myth, and then for Christian, sacred scripture. You know, it used to be that the inspiration for all art was drawn from, from scripture. You went to public places, churches, plazas, squares, castles, palaces. You know, there's a picture of Judith or Moses or the 12 apostles or from the apocalypse and, you know, Isaiah, all these amazing things that inspired us because it was the human interaction with the divine, with the angelic. The anime, the superheroes, the Marvel, the fantasy world, when it becomes the way you dress and the way you decorate your home, the way you decorate your vehicle, people even wearing like elven ears and uh, what's it called? Cosplay. They're doing the cosplay. Am I saying it right? I think so. That right there is maybe innocent, but it is a form of transhumanism. What you're saying is, is I am going to be Thor. Right? It's very, it's very puerile. It's very childish. When I was a little kid, I used to wear underoos of like Spider-Man and Superman. And I used to jump around pretending I shot webs. But I was a child. You now have 45-year-old men, women dressing up like this and, and living like this. And that is just, I know this is going to offend some people, that is just two or three steps away from the whole idea of if I identify as a grown man as Thor or Superman or Spider-Man, then I can just identify as a girl or identify as a cat or a dog, which people are actually doing right now. And as a matter of fact, I've noticed that when you on social media, like Twitter, and you start seeing these like trans activists and all that, they got all this Marvel anime weird stuff in their profiles and pictures. And it's just creepy. It's weird. All right, we'll do Q&A after this last point. Number five, by the way, we've done four of the five points. If you're enjoying this and you like it, please hit the like button and give it the thumbs up and please share it on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're new to the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast, please hit the subscribe button and click the bell. You'll be notified when I go live. Okay, number five, got to be careful in the way that I talk about this. And number five is the way transhumanism is being pushed on your kids is through unnatural vice and the San Francisco lifestyle. Do you understand what I'm saying? L-M-N-O-P, multiple letters, alphabet mixed up. Unnatural vice and, and the San Francisco lifestyle. Let me break that down in a careful way. Part of being human God made Adam and Eve. I really believe he made two humans named Adam and Eve. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's fact. 
And we made Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Angels don't copulate with each other and make more angels. Humans copulate in matrimony as designed by God and then procreate new humans. This is why God gave genitalia to humans. It's part of his master plan for humanity. And the male parts, see, I gotta be very careful how I say all this. The male parts work in a certain way with the female parts when used appropriately, the way God designed them, it, if everything's working right in the rhythm of nature, there's a new human, a baby. It's beautiful. That's the way God made humans, male and female, he made them according to Genesis. And then he gave them these special, unique body parts. When they come together, if everything's working well, there's a new baby, procreation. My wife and I have done this eight times and it's a blessing. It's just a beautiful thing. It's part of the human experience. Now, also part of that human experience is a supernatural vocation in which God says, I want you to sacrifice one of the greatest things in life which is motherhood and fatherhood and uh, the way it's achieved through a sexual embrace in matrimony. I want you to sacrifice that to me for the vocation and the supernatural salvation of other humans. And that's why we have monks, nuns, priests. St. Paul lived out this vocation in imitation of Jesus Christ. So did St. John the Apostle who's at the foot of the cross, uh, St. Timothy, St. Titus, St. Luke, all these men took on a celibate vocation. Mary Magdalene after her conversion. So that's the way we live it out. But in the transhumanist, you know, it's, it's no surprise that once the philosophy of Nietzsche gained its ascendancy, we had a sexual revolution. Because now to be human and to use the procreative organs, the genitalia, for the natural way that God designed it, that's off the table that's bad, according to these people. They believe that you should be completely immersed in unnatural vice, sexual immorality. And they have all kinds of rainbows and flags and any way that you can, any way that you can do it and not the way that God described in Genesis with Adam and Eve, that is courageous it is brave, and you should be pr proud. That's why there's a whole month called Pride Month dedicated to the more unnatural, the more anti-Genesis Adam and Eve you can be, you are transcending, in their mind, not you are transcending human nature, and you are defining your own happiness. This is why Dante Alighieri places sodomy so low in the inferno. And he says that sodomy is a sin against not just yourself, it's a sin against God directly. It's an attack on God because it's an attack on nature. So for those of you joining us late, here are the five, I'll take Q&A now, here are the five ways transhumanism is being directed towards your children. Please like this video and subscribe. Number one, AI composition the invasion of AI into the intellectual life of young people. Number two, video games, metaverse, and pornography. All of them are artificial ways of interacting with other human persons through the avatars 
of a digital universe. Number three, through devices, iPhones, tablets, computers. Again, these things all can be used in a way that is helpful. But if it becomes your second brain, if it becomes your new reality, if it takes over, you are now on the journey of transhumanism. Number four, the imaginary realm, the never-never land of superheroes, Marvel Universe, Star Wars Universe, fantasy universe, Dungeons and Dragons, anime, etc., etc. I know people are going to hate on me for that. I'm okay with that. I don't care. Number five, unnatural vice, the San Francisco lifestyle, using your procreative organs in any way that is not described in Genesis with Adam and Eve. That's brave. That's courageous. That's pride. And our culture is going to celebrate you because you are transcending what God said is human. That's why this whole movement is so offensive to Christians, true Christians. Because we see, when we see someone dressed up as the opposite sex and acting this way, and then the whole culture saying, you're so brave, you're so courageous, it's so cool, it's so historic, and all that, we realize that it is the transhumanist lie of the Luciferian angels. It is the trick in its extended millennial echo of what the serpent told Eve. All right, there it is. I'm going to take some Q&A from all of y'all in the audience. I hope you enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. All right. The Generation Grievous says Adam and Eve were married. Of course they were. Of course Adam and Eve were married. Yes, sir. Pride equals zero population. Ex exactly. AI is a way of life in Japan. I don't know that. Uh, I don't think Adam and Eve were married. They were married. I don't know how you came up with that. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Very good. I think that's John 1010, 10, if I remember correctly. I feel so much better from the litany of humility. It's great. I agree. Litany of humility. At first, it's hard to pray. But over time, it is a comfort. Those of us whose kids go to Catholic school and don't have access to computers, do we still need to worry? Yes. It's not just about the computers. And by the way, most Catholic schools have computers, iPads, iPhones in them. So again, I'm not, I'm not telling you to become a Luddite or to become Amish or Mennonite. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to realize that the structure of transhumanism has already been set in place. We have to navigate in it. But if it becomes your identity, like of the five things I'm talking about, if all of them or one of them begins to creep in on you, it's going to destroy you. It's not just going to wound you. It's going to destroy you. All right, heading back into the comments and the questions. John Wick, uh, when was marriage matrimony given to us in, as God's law? Genesis, Adam and Eve. God married Adam and Eve. He was the efficient, the efficient and the witness 
of matrimony for Adam and Eve. In fact, the creation covenant, the beginning of all creation, that sign is the marriage covenant between Adam and Eve. That's why when Jesus Christ is talking about matrimony, they're asking him about divorce. He says, as it was in the beginning, Adam and Eve, that's Jesus's teaching on it, right? So if you want to understand matrimony, you go back to Adam and Eve. One man, one woman, procreating kids. That's it. Now, matrimony was raised to the dignity of a sacrament, according to the Council of Trent, when Jesus, at the wedding of Cana, Our Lady came and said they have no wine, and then Christ transubstantiated the water into wine. He also trans-accidentulated or something. I don't know what that word would be. Um, he also, of course, trans, uh, changed the accidents and the substance, but he made it into true wine. And his presence there and that miracle elevated and dignified matrimony as one of the seven sacraments of the new covenant. So instituted, marriage was instituted with Adam and Eve and raised to a sacrament at the wedding of Cana. Good question. TMAC says, I say they're not married because neither said I do. It has to be voluntary, not just being stuck with the only woman on earth. Well, you're just wrong on that. And they did consent. Um, remember, Adam realized it was not good for man, or God saw, however it goes, it was not good for man to be alone. Adam desired a wife. So there was a consent there. Uh, let's see here. Pipa says, uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall, heartfelt thanks. Thank you. Uh, G. Alvarez says, watch Akira, Princess Minoko, and Ghost in the Shell. Give it, no, I'm not doing that. I don't, it's probably anime, I'm thinking. Do you think, this is Solitarius, do you think Cyber Demon is possible or Cursed Code on the internet? Absolutely yes. Demons can occupy a human body. Demons can occupy the body of an animal, like a pig or a dog. Demons can occupy places like a haunted house or a room or a location, a murder site, a facility where infants lose their lives through tax-funded procedures. Um, now, when you say cyber demon, it would have to be a real demon, not like you can't create a demon out of code. But there could be code or software that is cursed or consecrated to Satan. I think there is, just as pornography is cursed and consecrated to Satan. So same with code. So definitely a possibility. Good question. I like that one. Angela says, Lilith is not scriptural. It's Gnosticism. Uh, yeah, the whole idea that Adam had a first wife whose name was Lilith, and she was a strong, independent female. Um, and then Adam divorced her and then got a submissive, nice wife named Eve. That is Gnostic. It is heretical. It is to be condemned. However, Lilith is mentioned one time in the Bible, but it's not what I just said. 
And that is in Isaiah. Let's kind of look it up here. Isaiah 34, uh, 14. There's a mention there of Lilith as a demon or a demoness. So if you want to look that up, there's a big debate on that. Maybe I'll do a video in the future. Like and subscribe so you don't miss it. Um, so Lilith is scriptural, mentioned once in the Bible, but not in the way that Gnostics use her. Take a few more comments and questions. I'm liking all these. It's very good. Demons abound throughout our government. Yes. Will the Antichrist try to trick the faithful using imitation videography and photography to try to steer the true Christians away from the faith? I believe so, yes. Um, in fact, if you read the Apocalypse, and I cover this in my book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. I'm going to try to fix the graphic. I'm going to put it up here. Um, for some reason, I'm like in the wrong. Like I'm here, but I'm not in the black area here. Peekaboo, I'm here. I don't know why this is doing that. But if you go into Antichrist and Apocalypse, my book, and you can get a signed copy if you go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Uh, I go through how there's Satan, the beast, the Antichrist. Then there's the false prophet. And then the false prophet makes there to be an image of the beast that speaks and moves. So there is some sort of like magical arts going on in the apocalypse that's some kind of media miracle. And I go through that in depth with the church fathers in Antichrist and Apocalypse. The Spanish version is coming out soon. All right. Going back into your comments and into your questions. What is your opinion on the video game Doom? It has a Catholic protagonist blessed by a seraphim. Mm. Uh, I, I don't get any theology from a video game. I would say that. All right, here is Natalie Benoit. How do you, but how do I say why and how is Dungeons and Dragons demonic in the movie? My TLM mom friend let her kid watch it. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is problematic and uh, demonic. Do not be involved in it. Uh, I have a friend, uh, I won't say his name, he's probably watching. Uh, who has a really scary story that's related to Dungeons & Dragons. I know another person who had a brother that had a, another scary story with Dungeons & Dragons. It is a portal. And you have to understand, you know, when, when you hear me talk with Father Ripperger and you hear him and other exorcists say, yoga can be a portal to demonic possession. Harry Potter and the spells in there can be a portal to demonic possession. Um Ouija boards can be a portal to demonic possession, Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't mean that every single person that does it is de facto possessed. They might be protected for some reason. But there are cases in which people have become fully possessed by demons by doing yoga, Dungeons and Dragons, Harry Potter spells, uh, yoga, all that. So it's dangerous. You know, it's kind of like, if you go to Sweetwater, Texas during rattlesnake season and you wear flip-flops and high shorts and run through the rattlesnake field, you're probably going to die. A rattlesnake's going to bite you because you got flip-flops on, bare skin and shorts. That's bad. Does that mean that, every, that people could run through the field and not get bitten by a rattlesnake? 
Yes. Has it probably happened? Yes. Am I going to put on flip-flops and shorts and run through a field of rattlesnakes? H to the no. No way. So I am not going to even play with a Ouija board or yoga or Harry Potter spells or Dungeons and Dragons. Like why even risk getting the venom in you? And the venom here is possession by the infernal serpent, Satan. Hard pass. No thanks. Don't want it. I hope that makes sense. Like just don't be dumb. You know, it's playing Russian roulette with your soul, your body. Paul Allen, America used to be called the reader nation. That was when, that was back when people cared about the way they looked when they went into public. Exactly. Like they didn't wear pajamas. <laughs> there, here's one right here. You're like Alec Jones and 1980s mom in one skin. Okay. All yoga as an exercise? Yes. Yoga is a religious practice. I know you're not going to like to hear this. Stretching is fine. I stretch every morning. Stretch my back, stretch my legs, stretch myself at night, stretch my chest. Stretching is awesome. Tigers and lions stretch. It's one of the first things they do when they wake up. We need to stretch. It's in accordance with nature. Yoga... People who do yoga are called yogis. Those are Hindu religious people. You're doing Hindu religion. I was at the gym and I overheard a woman complaining to another, I think it was a woman. She was talking about, yeah, they had the yoga over there, but you know, it's just not spiritual enough. It's not the real yoga, you know, like the real yoga. And I was thinking to myself, this person, they're confused, they're lost. This person knows what's up. They know that the real yoga is spiritual. It's a religious craft. It's not just stretching. Well, Taylor, I want to stretch, so I do yoga. Just stretch. Get a mat. Get on the carpet. Stretch. Watch a YouTube video on how to stretch. Stretch your neck. Stretch your arms. Great. Awesome. Getting into all these poses led by a guru. You know, here in Texas, my wife was part of a, a mom's group or something. It's not all Catholic. And one of the women said, uh, does anyone know the Catholic priest in the area who will bless my house? We just moved to the area. And women were giving suggestions of Catholic priests. And somebody on there said, oh, um, if you can't get a Catholic priest to do it, my yoga instructor knows how to bless houses. And they'll do it for you. If yoga is just an exercise. Why is a yoga instructor going around blessing houses? Because it's a religion. Yoga is religious. If you're Catholic, you can only do one religion, the Catholic religion. You don't get to mix it with other religions. Don't do yoga. Father Ripperger and at least two other exorcists that I've spoken to have encountered people who were possessed by demons from yoga. Don't do it. Don't run through the rattlesnake field. And don't wear yoga pants in public. All right, one more question, and we'll sign off. Lots of stuff on yoga here. I definitely kicked the hornet's nest talking about yoga. Oh, here's a super chat. We'll close with this. Jimmy says, 
One of my friends experienced a demonic possession after watching an anime called Fate. Be careful, everyone. Keep up the great work, Dr. Marshall. Yeah. Anime stuff can also be really weird and sinister. An anime also can be a portal for some people to pornography, uh, San Francisco lifestyles, and the trans world, or identifying as a dog or a cat or a lion, leopard, whatever. Kind of weird stuff. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Um, if you want to take online courses with me, I'm currently offering 10 courses right now at the New St. Thomas Institute. You can go to nsti.com. NSTI stands for New St. Thomas Institute. We've got summer enrollment going on right now. If you sign up, you get the full course on the traditional Latin mass and the Roman rite, plus all 10 courses. You get the full package. You don't have to pay anything extra. You also have a 21-day full money-back guarantee if it's not for you, but I think it will be for you. You take online courses with me. Join hundreds, even thousands, who have taken these courses with me. Sign up as a student at New St. Thomas Institute, nsti.com, and you can earn 10 certificates in Catholic theology, philosophy, Old Testament, New Testament, Church Fathers, Medieval Theology, um, did I say Old Testament, New Testament? Yes, uh, Latin Mass, Roman Rite, all of this is there. You go in, there's a whole catalog of courses, and you just click, and you start your online education to go deeper into Catholicism and to become confident as a Catholic. I've got all kinds of bonuses waiting for you for summer enrollment, including the Bible Catholic Cheat Sheet, which gives you all the verses. We'll get that to you in a PDF of where to find the verses to prove every Catholic doctrine. We also have the one-year Bible worksheet and a way for you to work through reading the entire Bible in a year. Hundreds of people have been successful doing it. So if you want to go to the next level, become confident as a Catholic, and take courses from myself, go to nsti.com and sign up today before summer enrollment is over. Get those bonuses and get all 10 courses. All right. Thanks for watching. Please like, please subscribe, please pray the rosary every single day. And why don't we pray the Hail Mary together? Oremus in nomine Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et mortis nostre. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. Be careful of transhumanism.